Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Linda Chouse, owner of Glasses Menagerie, a children's eye care practice in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dr. Chouse is going to talk with us today about non-organic vision loss. Can you uh, explain that concept, Dr. Chouse? Yeah, so uh, non-organic vision loss is a condition where there is no underlying uh, organic cause for the child's vision loss and uh, often related to um, uh, sort of a a psychosomatic uh, presentation um, um, due to stress. Um, The child uh, pops up in your office um, with blurred vision sometimes. Um, visual field loss can um, also cause um, spots, um, double vision, but most commonly they come in because their vision is blurry. And um, interestingly, I had a colleague uh, in the late 90s who um, went, did sort of a a very uh, unofficial research project in his practice where he uh, looked at the frequency of non-organic vision loss. And I should say that we most commonly used to call it um, hysterical blindness or malingering um, uh, conversion syndrome. There are a lot of other names for it. Um, but anyway, he went through his charts and looked at the for the diagnosis of non-organic vision loss and looked to see if there was a relationship with things that were going on in history at that time or in society or in our in the United States that might've contributed to the stress. And again, this was the late nineties, pre um, 9-11. And uh, he found that there were two times that um, there was a real spike in kids coming in and uh, that he diagnosed with um, NOVL. And that was during um, the real height of the Gulf war and uh, the Rodney King riots. And um, I thought that was very interesting. And it's always kind of piqued my interest about things that are going on um, in society and certainly in a child's life when this sort of thing comes in. We see it happen uh, with kids whose parents are going through divorces or, you know, other kind of stresses. You know, they've they've moved to a new new, um, um, area or something, and, and we can sometimes funnel it down to those reasons. But it's been a big concern of mine with all the things that are, have been going on in 2020. Certainly COVID has changed what's going on in kids' lives drastically. Um, not only are they um, are not going to school, um, they're learning in different ways. And uh, that can certainly have an effect on the child's stress level as well. So um, it's really been a concern for me that uh, we're going to start seeing a spike of uh, NOVL in our patients. And then with um, the most recent episodes, especially here in Minneapolis, but it's all over the United States, of course, um, with the civil unrest episodes that have been going on, um, certainly um, can cause some stress when, when you see in the history of that my colleagues saw with the Rodney King riot, um, that uh, there's a good chance that, I think, I believe the research shows about you know, the odds of us seeing um, patients in our practice is about 2% of children that will have um, NOVL. 
we're going to see a big spike on this. That's so important for practitioners to know. The, the what interested me is what what you said it used to be called hysterical blindness and you know malingering. Mm-hmm. So this is not necess- this is not the kid's fault. Yeah, and I think that um, it's interesting to note those terms as well. Um, really, for so- something that like conversion syndrome um, or uh, uh, malingering or hysterical blindness, um, which can all be different things. It really takes psychological evaluation to use those terms, um, which most of us um, as um, ODs are not qualified to do. But um, so that's why the term non-organic vision loss has begun to be used um, because it doesn't take that psychological uh Uh, It takes that psychological stigma out of it. Um, When you look at um, what, you know, hysterical amblyopia or hysterical blindness, um, certainly that term uh, connotates um, psychological issues. Um, And when you look at malingering, usually malingering is used for kids that come in when um, they have reduced vision and they, um, you know, they have something to gain out of it. Like they want a pair of glasses mm-hmm. or they want attention or something. So it, the, um, the non-organic vision loss is usually used more for um, something that may be more psychosomatic in nature. So how do you make that uh, determination? Kind of how do you approach a, a, a kid and you don't immediately sort of see a cause or see a trend? Yeah. Well, we all have our, you know, this, especially when you see a lot of kids, you're going to see a lot of kids that come in and want glasses. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, a, it, unfortunately, when you're trying to decide, is this um, psychosomatic or is this, you know, they're just wanting a pair of glasses. Um, the age is usually around the same. You know, it's usually um, eight to 10 years old. Uh, it's usually girls. And, um, and this is not just from my experience, but from the research that's been done. Um, most of these kids are um, average or above average intelligence. Um, there's no association with um, socioeconomics or race. Um, so um, it, it's always been a conundrum for us as practitioners because we have to go through every, every um, uh, exam technique in the book to make sure there isn't some underlying factor. Um, Certainly, the you begin with um, uh, in the waiting room. I mean, the diagnosis begins in the waiting room when the child, you know, um, looking to see how they're interacting with um, things in the waiting room. Are, do you have toys in there? Are they playing? Well, we don't have toys in our waiting room anymore, but when we did, are they interacting with them? Are they able to walk into the exam room um, by themselves? Are they bumping into things? Um, uh, most kids that have a non-organic vision loss. Um, will um, be able to maneuver in a way that a child that has true vision loss isn't going to be able to. And certainly history has a lot to do with it. You want to find out, um, you know, about the child, not just um, for uh, the diagnosis of NOVL, but you want to know about the child anyway. You know, you want to know about their lifestyle. Um, so um, it really begins from the minute you, you bring the patient into the room. We all have our little tricks because we've had to deal with it for so long and we, we deal with it quite often. Um, there are the um, magic lenses, which are usually like um, 
I'll put up just because, you know, if I suspect that um, there's a, um, um, a malingering, I will um, put up um, glasses in a trial frame that are basically, um, you know, uh, plus a quarter, minus a quarter, something that would not relate to the average vision loss that we see in these kids is usually between 2040 and 2100. Yeah. It usually ranges around 2050. Um, and so um, that's that's sort of a um, really low IR, RX. And I do that instead of Plano lenses because I I, I want them to think that I'm, I'm really got some magic lenses here, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes that will help. Sometimes just doing a refraction and I'll show them choices, but I'm always showing them the same lenses, even though they think it's a choice. Uh-huh. Um, and so they think that I'm doing something for them. Right. Um, so, so every doc has their, has their, uh, their, their trick. Another one is, um, magic eye drops using artificial tears and putting them in and, and, um, uh, kids are real, su- uh, suggestible, you know, they, yeah. they'll, um, they'll, they'll go along with what you're saying. And, and these magic eye drops are, are made to help you see better. And if you need glasses and, um, so that will very oftentimes rule out. And I always do that. I say, if you need glasses, this will help. You know, and if the child just wants glasses, then usually it'll help. <laughs> so, um, so we all have our little tricks, but um, you know, there there are then there are other cases where the child truly has um, non-organic vision loss, and uh, you know, it it can, can be everything from some of the tricks that we do to um, we may even eventually have to do um, uh, visual evoked uh, potential VEP to find out if there's um, underlying cause, but um, and so a lot of it comes from the history as well. The good thing about non-organic vision loss is uh, it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually from um, uh, the studies that have been done, it lasts. It can last anywhere from a day to um, a year, uh, and uh, but usually around two months. So if I suspect someone that has NOVL and I'm not finding any other underlying disease, um, I'll have them come back in about two or three months to reevaluate. I think that a good thing is counseling and talking to them because some of these kids might be scared if it truly is, um, if they're not malingering and they're, they're tr- truly uh, is a uh, NOVL. Right. Um, it's a scary thing and it's scary for the parents too. Sure. Um, most parents, um, they either are in disbelief mm-hmm. that there's no problem or they kind of knowingly nod and go, yeah, there's been a lot of stress that's going on. And, and definitely you want to pull the parent aside away from, you know, the child um, so that you can discuss, you know, are there some things going on we should know about? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and sometimes you have to pull the child aside from away from the parent too, because they sometimes don't want to talk to the parent. So it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so what is the, the, the solution? Is it just wait and see, or, or is there something that uh, practitioners should or could be doing for, for these kids? Well, the other thing that you have to do, and I want to bring this up briefly, is you also have to look at some really important underlying causes that may not be non-organic. Okay. Um, and um, especially now with COVID, that kids are um, doing so much more online work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kids, um, hopefully a lot of the schools will be open in the fall, but we don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've just been through a few months of online learning and their visual system has been under a lot more stress than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at um, accommodative problems. 
Um, we want to look at muscle imbalances. And um, uh, we also want to look at dry eye. Um, kids are often overlooked as having problems with dry eye. But um, one of the first things I do when I look at a child that has blurry vision is I take a look at that tear film because it's really going to make a difference. Um, we see kids with, um, you know, blepharitis um, and um, other things that can influence their tear production. So we want to take a look and, um, at the mabonemian glands and, and just make sure that everything is functioning well for them so that there isn't some um, very you know, relatively simple fixes that we can do. It's also an excellent time now that we have, because the kids are doing so much online learning, is um, reinforcing the importance of blue light protection, mm-hmm. um, um, especially even if it's just for um, eye stress, you know, looking at the screen and getting rid of that blue light really makes a difference, but also preventative for other eye diseases in the future. So um, so these are all things that we have to look at. But once we've ruled all these other things out, um, really um, reassurance to the parent and to the child that this um, is something that, you know, sometimes our you know, eyes don't work as like we'd like them to. And um, very often these, this problem will go away and then schedule for them for um, uh, re-examination. It's also un- important to know that um, NOVL can be combined with an underlying organic vision loss. So you really want to make sure that um, you've looked at everything to make sure that it, there isn't something else going on. Um, I had one child that came in and um, she was probably about 12 and uh, she's about 20, 40. She just fit everything for a um, non-organic vision loss. But there was something about her retina that just didn't sit right for me. So um, um, I, I did send her to a specialist and it turned out that she had retinitis pigmentosa, very, very early stages. Yeah. And um, so that was um, heartbreaking. But um, not only that, she then, uh, the parents decided to have her, her sister checked and she did as well. So um, uh, you, you really have to be careful. Um, yeah, that's uh, so it sounds like it, it, it can't be your first um, diagnosis, right? It's the, it's the one that you end up with when nothing else matches. Well, it's just like everything else that we do in practice. We have um, all of these diagnoses and we, um, we narrow it all down. Right. You know, we exclude all the other things that it might be. Um, uh, and, but it's always in the back of our minds, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially when we see someone that fits the, um, fits the, uh, the, the prototype of someone that might have non-organic vision loss when we see the age and, and, um, and so forth. So, uh, it's important that you rule everything else out first. It's just like amblyopia. I mean, you know, we, we might see a child that has amblyopia and we think, oh, they have a small um, esotropia or they have this or that, but there could be something else going on that we have to rule out first. Right. So there, there might be cases, it was funny that you mentioned dry eye. There might be cases where that artificial tear really is the magic drop. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> you can look at visual fields, you know, kids, um, with non-organic vision loss. Um, I have a tangent screen in my office. I don't know if there's very many people out there that still have a tangent screen for, but I have it specifically to check for um, um, visual fields that would relate to non-organic vision loss. So um, most of us know that 
um, if the further away you sit, you know, if you check, they'll have sort of like a very restricted visual field if they're sitting close to this transient screen. But if you move them back, um, in what should happen is their um, visual field should expand because they're they're further back from the screen. But in these kids, it will remain the exact same um, the same diameter as it did when they were closer. So that's a that's a big telltale. And the other thing is um, there's um, uh, spiral visual fields. So as you introduce the, the target, the visual field will sort of spiral in towards the center. And um, so these are these are things that you can do. So um, now that you've um, reopened to, to more routine care after being closed for about six weeks or so, are you anticipating uh, an increase in these uh, non-organic vision loss patients or are you already beginning to see it? I have not seen it. Most of the patients that I've seen have been a lot of um, people that were rescheduled <laughs> from pre-COVID mm-hmm. and um, rechecks on uh, on my amblyopes that I've been treating, my um, um, you know some of my VT patients um, and my myopia management patients. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that I forgot to mention. We were talking about um, working. Um, uh, online so much with these kids is that I'm keeping a, a much closer eye on those my, myopia management uh, kids or the ones that um, I have in queue if they may need myopia management. So I, um, I'm, I'm keeping a closer eye on them as well. But uh, I haven't, uh, so I haven't run into any yet, but I'm really keeping my eye open for it. I'm really anxious to see if this is something that um, may start cropping up a lot more often. And in a, in a way, um, you know, it's interesting that that research that you mentioned from uh, from the, the 90s, um, what's going on in society right now with with COVID affecting truly, absolutely everybody um, in, in some way and the uh, demonstrations and the, the, the anxiousness that that must build around that um, it, is there's a lot more kids being impacted perhaps by, by what's happening in society. Absolutely. The other thing to remember is that um, non-organic vision loss is not limited to children. So um, although it's, it's more common um, in, in kids, um, you can have it in adults too. So, um, so and they're going through those same stresses, if not more so. I think that the, the, the thing with kids is that they, um, may internalize it a little bit more. Um, they, they're probably not talking about it. And, and many times, you know, parents will, won't really want to dwell on it. Certainly that makes sense. Um, so there might not be that discussion. And so that internalization may happen more in kids, but it certainly can happen in adults as well. Interesting. Yeah. This is something that uh, OD should be aware of because it's something that they can acknowledge. I mean, counseling, is is that a recommendation that you make, or or is it uh, not always necessary? Uh, you know, um, that's a little controversial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, in the research that I've read, some um, encourage it, and some um, find that it's not really that necessary. I think it's a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a, um, a couple of studies done looking at child abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, so certainly that is a stressor and that's something else that we all need to be aware of mm-hmm. as well. Um, you want to leave the door opens for discussion, mm-hmm. you know, if there are problems that could occur. 
Right, right. And that kicks in a whole different level of reporting, I'm sure, for, for practitioners. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, right. But uh, that's that's really interesting. And um, it's it's interesting that, that this might, uh, you know, in, in being able to look backwards at hindsight of 2020, say, ah, that's that's what was going on. It's it's always um, frustrating for the practitioner because you you hate to use that diagnosis, mm-hmm. you know, if you're unsure, you know, there's just you, you don't you don't want to be the last person to see the patient that actually had a, had some other problem and, right. and attributed it to non-organic vision loss. So I think it's a good thing for the practitioners to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And um, we just, um, as always, do our best job to make sure everything else is okay. And I think that's another important thing to say to the parent and the child, if you do find, um, uh, if everything does lead to that diagnosis of N- NOVL, is that your eyes are healthy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, bring up the positive, um, and, and reassure them that this will, this will to pass Uh and, um, and we just bring them back. You know, I think that that's, it's, it's, I, as a parent certainly wouldn't want to be told, yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. Go home, you know, let's see them again in two or three months. Let's see things, how are going, you know, if Uh you notice anything changing, please give me a call, you know, open those doors for communication. That's good advice. Dr. Chaus, thank you so much for being with us on WL Voices. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.